0: And this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask Mapped episode 120. Hello, my friends. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, one of your fabulous co-hosts here on Ask Mapped. I am with the OG crew today, Dr. Scott Wright. Former Director of Admissions at UT Southwestern, Retired Executive Director at TMDSAS. Don't call it Tim Doss.
1: <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Enjoying uh, some cooler weather here in Texas, so everything's cool. good.
0: Yep. Staying cool.
1: Of course, that's cool good. is a
0: relative term, but you know. <laughs> yes. When it's 80 versus 100, that's cool. Yes. There you go. That works. That works. And co-founder of Mapped, pre-med MCAT expert, Rachel Grubbs. How are you doing?
2: Hello, hello. I am very well. I'm excited to be here. It's always a fun part of the week.
0: I am excited uh, to announce, finally, Application Academy for 2023. Uh, Is up and running Uh, in terms of signing up. You can go sign up applicationacademy.com. I just threw one, uh, threw that one at the team so they don't have a banner ready for that. Uh, But hey, look at that applicationacademy.com. Go check it out. It is an amazing group coaching experience that has helped uh, lots of people get into medical school Mm -hmm. and uh, definitely affordable and Amazing. You get to hang out with all of the amazing now medical school HQ advisors um, as we rebrand our advising from Mapped to uh, medical school HQ for our pre-med advising. So Application Academy, if you are applying in 2023 to start medical school in 2024, go check it out. There's an early bird save $100 going on right now. And with that, let's rock and roll. We have any questions coming up. So just a reminder for all of you tuning in both on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are watching, uh, we're here for the hour to answer your questions. You have a, a combined thousand years of pre-med experience. Yes, that is how old Dr. Scott Wright is. <laughs> uh, we, have, we have amazing, amazing experience here for you
1: today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not
1: even gonna comment. I'm not even gonna comment. I love you. I love. I'm you. I'm not even gonna comment.
0: <laughs> Hello, this is Jan from last week asking about when to worry about interviews. I got my first one. Then what are you worried about? Uh, what are two pieces of advice you have? I already purchased your book. All right, that's that's number one. Doctor Scott Wright, interview prep for Jan here. Her first interview invite what is the, the one, the one uno piece of advice uh, that you would have to give everyone?
1: Practice, 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 practice. Yeah. Practice with uh, friends, practice with mentors, practice in front of the mirror. Um, practice, practice with a fox, practice pra- in a box,
0: practice <laughs> with a mouse and practice in a house. Oh, but that's a, that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because we often give feedback to students like, you sound super rehearsed. You've practiced too much. How, how do you how do you balance that?
1: Well, I, I think that the the rehearsed part of it mostly comes from when you're rehearsing content uh, to specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not suggesting necessarily that you that a student would want to uh, rehearse a lot of content. You know, that's important. But I think rehearsing um you know, uh, practicing with questions that you don't know what's coming at you, <clears throat> uh, practicing um, the pace of your language, for example, practicing um, how you're sitting and you know things like that. but you do practice uh, the content also, but I think I think um, yeah it, it's a it's a bit of a fine line, but I, I think that if you uh, practice, You know, some in terms of uh, what you're going to say and how you're going to say it on on particular questions that are uh, pretty common, such as tell me about yourself Mm -hmm. or um, what are your strengths and weaknesses that those sorts of questions. Uh, But, yeah, you don't want to write it out and then and then and then try to reiterate it or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Rachel, your Uh, one one piece of
2: advice. My one piece of advice is do your research. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of practice questions with people. And what I find particularly is when I say why this school and granted you're doing practice interviews. So like they may or may not have a school in mind yet, um, but they often answer why medicine or if it's a DO school, they might answer why osteopathic schools. And if you want to really get to the heart of that question, that's one where you need to have done some research and actually know about the school to which you're applying.
0: Yeah. And my one piece of advice, I'm glad no one else mentioned it, is treat the medical school interview like a coffee shop conversation. Uh, I, I hear from so many students day in and day out of like, that was a lot different than I expected it to be. We just kind of talked for 30 minutes, and most of it was not about medicine. I'm like, yeah, that's the perfect interview. Um, And not every, unfortunately, interview is like that. Some interviewers, some schools keep to scripts and keep to very specific uh, questions. But ideally, best-case scenario, if you allow it to happen and if it's okay with the school, the admissions committee, the, the specific interviewer, you'll have an amazing conversation about fly fishing if that's in your application. And that's, that's your medical school interview. So there you go. Woo. Is front desk patient, (laughs) is is front desk patient associate a good clinical position during a gap year? I want to describe, but they all require a year commitment and I will hopefully be matriculating in med school in July. So I would love to speak to an employment attorney. And ask how binding these commitments are. Like, yes, I will work for you for a year, unless I get into med school, <laughs> and then I'm leaving. Sorry, um, I, I would love to know what the the ramifications are. Um, maybe, maybe uh, t- Team Veronica can can reach out to an employment attorney and see. And it may be a state by state thing. Anyway, um, front desk patient associate sounds a lot like you're a front desk person aka yeah. administration aka not, not clinical, clinical.
1: Mm-hmm. correct
2: yeah and we can't always tell from the title but right doesn't sound clinical
1: <clears throat> right
0: <Yep>. anonymous ant. <laughs> i love that name. i love <laughs> like I, i'm so childish like i would have i would have loved like being uh clark kent and um uh, Peter Peter Parker, like I love alliteration just in general, and then Anonymous Ant just sounds like an amazing superhero. Uh, my question is in two comments because it is too long to fit in one. I would really appreciate all your perspective on this.
2: So it's really in three. Okay, so why, why do we put up the first one? Okay, great. So three
0: seven three science GPA, 19 student athletes currently. In a medical science MS program, 100 plus clinical volunteer hours, 300 plus shadowing, 200 plus non-clinical community service, some leadership, zero research hours. <sighs> Applying to MD schools in 2023, from an admissions perspective, what is the best use of my time besides the MS? Shadowing a different specialty, scribe, medical assistant research, or something else. Whatever you want. Yep.
1: Yep. Whatever. Sounds like you got all the bases. You know, well, I don't want to say you got all the bases covered, but you've got you've done a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. you could fit into anything, you know, and and really. Um, so I would say I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think that, you know, do what you want to do. If you want to do research, do research. If you want to do, you know, scribing, do scribing, whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. Questions when you,
2: like this always make me nervous because like there – if, it, if if you guys have ever watched Am I Ready, right, that's a 30 to 45 minute conversation where we pour over the map profile. Your hours don't really interest me that much. I'd like to know about recency. I'd like to know about consistency. I'd like to know how meaningful those experiences were. Um, you know, there's there's a reason that you can create a profile for free and ask us to do a deep dive with you. You can sign up for a one-on-one session. I'm not trying to make this like we won't answer for free. It's fine for you to ask for free, but this should be a 30 minute conversation and us just reading a quick laundry list from you is not really telling us the story.
0: But, but that is that, unfortunately, that question and that mentality is the majority of pre-meds out there mm -hmm. who think I've checked all of these boxes. Am I missing any boxes? That is the question that was asked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so not, not to throw shade at anonymous aunt, That is the the unfortunate mentality of most pre-meds out there. And we're here to tell you that's not the right mentality to have. Right. Right.
2: Much more concerned about quality than quantity.
0: Yep. Melissa, is it okay to ask questions back to interviewers? If so, what questions do you think are great? Mm. So typically there will be given some time for the interviewer to say, Hey, do you have any questions for me? What I'd be interested to know, Scott, your philosophy here, Uh, when I'm doing mock interviews with students, like an application Academy or something, I'll ask a a random like ethical question. And then the student will go give their answer. And they go, what what are your thoughts? And I'm like, no, like that's, (laughs) this is not the time to ask. Uh, Then they'll go, but you said it was a conversation. I'm like, come on. Like, no. So so don't ask questions back in the middle of like, well, what are your thoughts on that or whatever. But if given the opportunity, the interviewer says, hey, do you have any questions for me? Yes, Mm -hmm. be prepared for questions.
1: Yeah. And I I think the best kinds of questions, because we often get students that will ask a question such as, um, you know, about the curriculum or about the grading policy or, Mm -hmm. you know, student life at the institution Depending on who your uh, interviewer is, they may not know any of that. Yep. So I think the best questions are uh, specific to the individual. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you have to know ahead of time who that's going to be, but you ask them, "What do you think is the yeah. best thing about this school? F-P-P-Lars. Why did you stay here? Yep. Why did you come here?" Uh, you know, those kinds of personal questions, I think, are are the the, the best ones to ask. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Agreed.
0: Do you know my, my favorite question? Scott, I don't know if you know my favorite question that I tell students mm-hmm. to ask. What is your favorite thing about this school that not a lot of people know about? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I like that question a lot. Mm-hmm. Sydney asks,
0: what to do if your GPA doesn't have an upward trend? Mine goes from 325 to 34 and plateaus. Oh, no. It plateaus. Rachel. What do you uh,
2: Sounds to me like you're a little bit confused about what an upper trend is, Sydney, because the whole point is when we talk about upper trends, we're talking about students who maybe had a rough time earlier in their pre-med experience, or maybe even before they were pre-med. And the basic math is after you've got, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 credits, your Q just isn't going to move much. So, you're, you says mine goes from 3.25 to 3.4 in Plateau. It sounds to me like you're talking about your cumulative GPA. What I would love to look at is what the green semester line looks like in your mapped MAPDAP profile, right? How many semesters in a row have you consecutively done much better than you used to do? How many credits were you taking those semesters? That's what I'm interested in. So, you know, the QM is going to be limited by just the way math works. But what I want to know is are you showing med students Now that you can handle sustained academic rigor that maybe previously you couldn't handle, but you're showing them. Here's the kind of student I am today. Yep.
0: Uh, Yegane. Yegane. I'm looking for clinical experience, but they need previous experience, which I don't have right now. What should I do? This is like the the futile circle of like, I need experience to get experience, but I can't get experience because I don't have experience. How do I get experience? <laughs> uh, yeah. Scott, what, what do you recommend students do in this situation?
1: Well, I, I think that uh, you have to look at employment is, is a, a good example. If you uh, apply, you know, just, just, Finding clinical experience as volunteer is fine, but uh, you look at employment, um, uh, uh, you know, volunteer clinical experience you can find and and broaden yourself to look at hospice, look at nursing homes, look at, uh, you know, don't just concentrate on a clinic or a hospital. Uh, Broaden that notion of what clinical can be or is uh, to include any kind of healthcare entity uh, that takes care of patients.
2: Yep.
0: yeah and and then there's there's most of these pre-med jobs number one don't pay very well, which mm-hmm. s- stinks, uh, but number two, they understand that you don't have experience, so you you may want to look at uh, organizations like Scribe America or, or other organizations that are very popular amongst premeds to to reach out to them because they know that you're not coming in with experience and they have training programs for you mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And depending on what state you're in, uh, medical assistants, you know, either can be trained on on the job uh, and don't need, you know, experience because they'll train you. So check into your state and what the requirements are for your state in terms of an MA.
0: Yeah, definitely. Here in Colorado,
1: no certification needed. Yeah, in Texas as well. But I think in California, you do have to have certification. So.
0: California, you need to have certification across the road. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> they don't like jaywalking there. <laughs> All right. Marie, I got a quick question. If I was involved in a research and my lab published a paper, I was wondering where should I put the publication on my application? In the activities section. Yep. So the activities section, at least for AMCAS, has 18 categories. One of them is research. So it would go there. Yep. Rosemary asks, thoughts on combined MD, MBA, or DO MBA programs for students hoping to study private practice down the line? Do you suggest pursuing the MBA or just taking a couple of business courses? Rachel, you got, you got ideas there. Uh, we, both, we both operate a, a business. Do we have MBAs? I do not. Now
2: I did do a business minor in college for reasons that I will not get into today, but it was more about, um, placating people in my life. (laughs) 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 Shall we say, um, yeah. uh, There's a lot of stuff that, that people learn in an MBA that I don't know. So I'm not trying to act like it's worthless. I'm just saying, Most MBAs are about specific kind of businesses and specific kinds of cultures that don't apply very much to a lot of small business stuff. Um, And also these days, so much of the work that needs to be that needs to happen in a private practice that's business specific can be outsourced. Right. You're going to have a lawyer to help you with keeping your employees stuff legal. You're going to have an accountant or a finance person. You're going to have an office manager I personally don't think that you need to take business courses. Now, if it interests you, go for it. Um, but um, I know a lot of people who are in business who don't have formal business backgrounds. I, I don't think it's necessary.
1: Yeah. There are also, uh, in, in many areas of the country, uh, MBA, MBA programs that are design, designed specifically for practicing physicians. Yeah. So if you found later that you wanted that you really needed or you wanted because you wanted to go into hospital administration or whatever uh, you know, you could always do something later uh, that is focused in, in that particular area. So definitely. Matt Mac, thoughts
0: on a letter of intent. If I decide to send one, would it be appropriate to send it post interview after a few weeks or post decision If needed. Well, hopefully you don't need it uh, post-decision because you got a decision. Uh, But a letter of intent uh, for those who don't know is basically a letter to the school saying, hey, school, if you accept me, I will come. Please, please, please accept me. Uh, And and they potentially have some some use depending on the school. Most definitely post-interview, right, Scott? Yeah, I wouldn't send yeah. a letter of intent pre-interview going, hey, if you accept me, I'll come. The right. school's like, I haven't even invited you, invited you for an interview yet. Yep. That, yep. That's like uh, like reaching out to your friends. Like, hey, if you're having a dinner party Friday, I'll be there. Like, uh, no, you're not invited. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it may help. It may not. Definitely post-interview agreed and please don't game the system and send everyone a letter of intent like then you're just ruining the the game for everyone else yeah then schools won't believe them yeah yeah jesus would anyone be able to speak to starting a family during medical school the birds and the bees talk rachel let's go (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna do birds and bees uh yeah jesus there's a, there are a lot of people who do this yep. um and uh i would say rather than us trying to get into it now um i mean ryan i know you actually spent some of your early medical school residency years married but in separate cities because that's yeah. that's the way you two pursued your career so sometimes the solution is we do part of life and put part of life on hold. And sometimes the solution is just keep on trucking with whatever you're going to do anyway. What I would recommend you do is go on Instagram and follow some of our favorite parents who are um, pre-meds and med students. Um, One in particular that's great is um, Adrian, who's staff Sergeant to MD PhD. Um, uh, And then also if you join our pre-med hangout, there are a lot of parents in there. So that's just our, our, it's our private, but large uh, pre-med Facebook group. So if you go to premedhangout.com and there, there are a ton of people who are parents and pre-med or people who are in med school and parents there. Um, so you can collaborate with them and hear their experiences.
1: There are even single parents. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think the, the
0: answer is there's no right answer. Um, right. You can start a family before med school. You can start a family during medical school. You can start a family during residency. Everyone has done it. I've seen it happen. Um, there's no right time to start a family. Yep. Starting a family, regardless of your uh, medical school aspirations, physician aspirations, is hard. And yeah. it just adds a layer of complication. Um, and you, you need some support through the journey Um, and so depending on your spousal situation or support situation there just needs to be a lot of communication and uh, adjustment of life and expectation management and maybe you go from uh, wanting to be the top 1% in your medical school class to know that maybe you're not going to be top 1% because you have other responsibilities outside of school and that's okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Melissa asks, is phlebotomy great for clinical experience? Yes. Sure. Just don't miss. Just don't. Yeah, just be good at it.
1: Please.
0: (laughs) I got mad at a phlebotomist once. I I have like the biggest anti-cube veins and used to donate blood all the time on campus. And and one time they missed. And I'm like, how do you miss that honker of a vein? Anyway.
2: What was the adjective you used to describe your vein?
0: Honker. Honker. My No,
2: anti-cube?
0: My anti anti-cube. The anti fossa. That's
2: Ah, it okay.
0: Short, <laughs> short is anti Mufasa? or as, as my my daughter called it my daughter called it your elbow pit <laughs> because if that's your armpit <laughs> that's your
1: elbow pit so
2: honestly <laughs> if you had said elbow pit I would have been with you <laughs> and because you said anti-cube I was like gotta google that or ask Ryan and, so I'm I'm all with your daughter so what, it,
1: what was it again Mufasa <laughs> what the anti, anti- anti-cubital fossa. fossa? not Mufasa okay no, fossa. careful
0: yeah <laughs> dina asks "Are research hours necessary for do schools guess what they're not necessary for md schools uh i have lots of clinical volunteer experience but i've had a difficult time finding research research is not required period no 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 matter what school unless the school requires research which very few do yeah md or DO. yep Jawad is back. I became an Eagle Scout through a religious organization. I still volunteer at that organization. Can I combine my time at Scouts to present day?
1: Sure. Why not?
2: Yeah, this is such a common question. Mm-hmm. People are always looking for a way to sneak in the fact that they were an Eagle Scout. Um, yeah. And typically what I say is it's probably not going to be in your primary and should be instead in your secondary. But, yeah, if you want to kind of skate on the technicality of I'm still in that group. So, therefore, I started in high school but kept going. I think that's fine. Yep.
0: 23 (laughs) NVSC Recently applied in the 2021 cycle. Planning on reapplying in 2024 after I finish a master's program. I have great activities and experience, but I'm afraid they won't count when I reapply for class porque por no yeah uh, yeah they count activities don't expire anything post high school is good um yeah my my question and i hope you've thought that out is you're doing the master's because it's your gpa that needs repair and you're doing a science-based master's to show that academic ability
2: Mm-hmm. so gosh. actually they added that their weakest is their MCAT no, so I was gonna why go are you there. taking a masters if your weakest there.
0: is your MCAT no don't spend 50 grand on a master spend 5 grand on a tutor uh, on an MCAT mm-hmm. tutor
2: that's yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah. it's mm-hmm. such a common and I, I blame the academic institutions yep. I blame the medical schools because they're like hey you're rejected have you thought about our masters program <laughs> like mm-hmm. no like and and Ah, it's our job here. So, Scott, a student doesn't do well, uh, doesn't get into medical school. They have a 3.9 GPA. They have a, a 499 MCAT score. Should they do a master's program? No. No. Why not? That's not the issue. <laughs> <laughs> right? Academic ability has already been proven. Correct. Right. The That's MCAT exactly score, right. which has some loose correlation supposedly to uh, board performance mm-hmm. hasn't been proven yet. Correct. Yeah. So you need, you need a better MCAT score. You don't need a master's. Mm-hmm. So please, Lord, I hope you haven't started your master's yet. If you have <laughs> just started, see if you can get out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. That's our job here. Saving, save, saving lives through uh reduced med uh, uh student tuition burden. Yeah. Right. Debt burden. <laughs> Kevin asks, I'm currently working as a community health worker and shadowing. How many hours would be recommended for shadowing or can I combine my employment as a CHW with shadowing? Rachel.
2: Yeah, it's a good question, Kevin. Um, I see shadowing as something different than um clinical work because if you're doing um work alongside physicians, then maybe you're seeing some of the work they do, but you're seeing the parts that you collaborate on and probably maybe a lot of the stuff that's specific to the clinic. Um, but to me the whole point of shadowing is not just to observe the doctor with patients, but also to observe the entire doctor's day. So, you know, hours on the phone with insurance, um, you know, loading notes that they don't have a scribe, you know, just kind of the whole experience. So, um, If you've been working in clinical a lot, like if you have a lot of experience, you may not need a ton of shadowing. But what I would recommend is find a physician you like at work and ask them, hey, sometime when I'm not on shift, can I follow you around for a day so that you can at least get a little bit of official shadowing?
1: Yep. Yep. Yep.
2: Got another one. There we go. Tiffany,
0: is yield protection real? And how should I consider it when building a school list? I love the yield protection question. Scott, yes or no? Is
1: yield protection real? Well, I'm a little foggy on what yield protection actually is. Um, I'm guessing that it's the medical schools are trying to make sure that the people that they make offers to are going to actually enroll. And so what that does is that increases their competitiveness for like these rankings and stuff like that. So um, the answer to the question is, yes, it is real. Um, I think that medical schools do that uh, some more than others. Um, And, uh, but I don't think that, Number one, I don't th- I don't know how you would know if a school does that or to what extent they do it. Yep. So I don't think it's a factor that you really should even think about in terms of building a school list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the way that I like to think about yield protection, mm-hmm. right. As you mentioned, it's it's definitely a thing mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to depend on the school outside of if they're playing games for U.S. news and world reports. Is there a specific mission that the school has uh, or a location where the school is, where they know historically students not from that location or students who don't have activities that match that mission aren't going to come there. And the the biggest one I always think about our our good friend, uh, Dr. Sunny Nakai, who used to be at, she's not at UC Riverside anymore. Um, She used to be at UC Riverside, which is a UC school in Southern California, that specifically has a mission to serve the Inland Empire. Mm-hmm. And if you go and look at their stats on the MSAR, the medical school admissions requirements tool that the AMC puts out, their stats are much lower than most other schools mm-hmm. because they are serving a very specific population. They are accepting students typically from that same population. And that area historically is underserved, uh, more disadvantaged, and their stats reflect that. And so from from Dr. Sonny Nakai, they knew that if they had someone from Manhattan, New York City, right, who had a 520 MCAT score and a 3.9 GPA, which are fantastic stats, applying to UC Riverside as a quote-unquote safety school, UC Riverside wouldn't give them the time of the day because they knew that that student just wasn't going to be a good fit at that school. And so that also would be considered yield protection. They're protecting the 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 kind of golden tickets, this limited resource that they have in terms of interview spots and only giving interview spots to people who theoretically fit their mission, who, who they know will want to come to their school. So that is also yield protection outside of playing games for, um, for the the rankings and stuff. And you just you don't know you you don't know what schools are doing. You don't know how they're thinking about things. And and so it should not be considered. Agreed. R M, just missing that E. We'd have a good band. Hi all, my favorite, Doctor Ryan Gray.
1: Oh, I'm so much favorite. Thanks so
0: much. Uh, the rest of us just don't matter. Yeah, just just put me on solo. We don't need those other people. on the <laughs> Thanks, RM. I am interested in pediatrics and planning on substituting within the clinic in schools. I would be taking temperatures, giving band aids, and ice. Is this clinical? Okay, sure. All right, sure. you're you're basically acting as a, a nurse assistant mm-hmm. in the nursing the nurse's mm-hmm. office at a school. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's a good, good, uh, different one.
1: Yeah. That's, that's awesome.
0: All right. Welcome back to the stage. All of the non-favorites. <laughs> My GPA flunked in the winter from a C I received in OCHEM 1 It is now sitting at three, five, four, still good. And I have until 2024 to graduate science. GPA is not the best around a three, four. Can I still get accepted? All at the same time. One, two, three. Yes. yes. <laughs> you got
2: lots of time. I just, I just want to, I mean, obviously consensually, but Sonara, I just want to give you a hug. That you used the word flunked and then talked about assy and then talked about a GPA that's still north of 3.5. Um, the, the mythos and just frankly BS around GPA is crazy to me. Um, yes, you need good stats to get into med school, largely because you're proving to med schools that you can handle the rigor of the courses. But one C in one course is just step back, reflect, figure out why it happened, change your behavior, yep. move on. It's going to yeah. be okay.
0: And the fact that she's probably a sophomore, that C hits a little bit harder because the denominator isn't that big yet because she doesn't have a lot of credits under her belt. And as she takes more classes, she'll be fine.
2: Yep. Keep on trucking.
0: Ramja, our medical school is preparing for the possible repeal of affirmative action. If overturned, should I be concerned about not getting into medical school as a non-traditional minority student? So a little background information for those who don't know, the Supreme Court is uh, taking up a or is in the process of um, ruling on. I think it was Harvard. Um, some students brought a, a case against Harvard Um basically saying hey we 're being discriminated because we 're a majority, uh, not a minority, uh, and they 're not letting us into school even though we have good grades and good stats, and so we 're being um, discriminated against and they're they 're blaming affirmative action the court the the um, the case has been taken up by the Supreme Court and my assumption is that the Supreme court is going to say that affirmative action is uh, unconstitutional. And so, yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm betting med schools are preparing for, for what to do if they are using race based um, decisions in their uh, admissions processes, they're preparing. Now, something that maybe not a lot of students know is California already removed affirmative Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. So race, race based decisions in California have already happened. Now, Scott, uh, as a former director of admissions uh, and, and retired executive director of TMDSAS, what, what sort of rumblings uh, from medical schools, I mean, without giving specifics, wh- what do you think is happening at medical schools, specifically for schools that are still using race-based decisions in their admissions process?
1: Yeah, they're trying to figure out what, uh, you know, they, they want diverse classes, mm-hmm. um, for a variety of reasons uh, and uh, so they they will try to figure out what what can we do to um, attract and to uh, not, not only to attract applicants that are that represent a diversity of, of backgrounds etc but they also are trying to figure out in terms of their process how can they um, how can they do that in a way that's going to uh, be inclusive, and, and uh, in, in terms of looking at applicants. Um, uh, so it, it's complicated. Uh, it is uh, um, frustrating for many admissions officers who want uh, diverse classes for the educational benefit, but also because they want to produce physicians that look like the entirety of the of the nation and will mm-hmm. serve uh, the population of the nation in, in the the varieties of it uh, of what that looks like, so it's frustrating uh, for admissions officers a, a, as well. But the, they're they are preparing for it, and they're they're looking at what what can we do uh, in in terms of uh, particularly noting what it means to be qualified. What does that actually mean, and yes. and that will dictate in, in some regards what they're um, you know because I think a lot of the 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 people that are opposed to affirmative action make assumptions about what, um, you know, what qualification is, and they concentrate on qualification being the numbers, yes. but qualification is a bigger issue than that. Yes. And, uh, it, it, really involves a, a much bigger, you know, picture uh, of, of what is, what it means to be qualified to be in medicine, et cetera. And so they're looking at the entirety of that to see how can we, um, uh, you know, uh, list out the things that we look at to consider an applicant that's going to be inclusive of the entirety of what what qualification really means. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I know it's not out yet, but in the next few months, you guys will see that uh, Dr. Wright is making a podcast about core competencies. And I think that gets at some of this is, It's about the attributes you bring as a rounded, mature adult. Um, And uh, in my limited and personal experience, the people who have complained to me about affirmative action are often people who assume that the space is theirs to lose. So, I mean, like, the term white supremacy rankles a lot of people, but if your default assumption is that all the spaces belong to white people and someone else is taking them from you as a white person, then there's already something wrong with your attitude that makes me worry about your ability to be a team player. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I would just say proceed with a whole lot of caution here because it's, I mean, I don't know how many times we've said, regardless of affirmative action, your stats are not your story. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so things may change, and yet also there's still going to be holistic review. They're mm-hmm. still looking for proof that you actually care about people and aren't doing this because mom and dad told you you had to. Yep.
0: tis true. Yep, yep, Ahmad, is it recommended that I start self-studying for the MCAT prereqs so that I can do the MCAT ASAP, or should I just wait until I do the courses at school? Rachel Grubbs. MCAT expert?
2: Uh, Personally I say do the courses first um, because MCAT is content review but it's also a whole lot of critical thinking and learning how to answer the questions and if you're trying to get ahead on MCAT prep and again I'm generally speaking this may or may not apply to you Ahmad, the thing that most people are lacking when they come to MCAT prep is reading skills because it is a critical thinking, critical analysis, problem solving exam. So I would say, unless you are already looking ahead and going, oh, I'm not gonna have time to take X or Y course before I need to take the MCAT, so I need to get ahead on that particular content, let your professors and TAs teach it to you the first time and then just keep in mind, you're gonna need it again. You need to not learn it to get the A in the course, but learn it to remember it for the MCAT. Um, But if you're really trying to get a jump on MCAT prep, what most people come woefully unprepared for is how much reading and thinking and problem solving matters. Um, So if that if you're not doing non science reading, at least a couple times a week, then that's the thing I would tell you to get a jump on now instead of trying to pre study sciences.
0: Definitely. Maya asks, when you talk about having an upward trend in GPA, are you referring to the semester GPA or the science GPA?
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> all of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's kind of hard, hard to have a science GPA trend without the semester trend. So they kind of go hand in hand. Mammy, hello. I was a public health major in undergrad. I took um, HISC, human biochemistry, instead of bio biochemistry. Should I retake biochemistry? No idea. Yeah, without knowing specifically what that biochemistry is and what the... um, syllabus says and everything that you covered. Now, Scott, one thing I love about TMDSAS is that they do a really good job of being public about what counts as a biochemistry course and what doesn't. So Mammy, what I would potentially recommend Mm -hmm. is just do a quick Google search and I'll I'll Google it here. Um, If you just do TMDSAS course classification and the, the first thing that pops up, at least for me is course listings, find your university, mm-hmm. uh, in that list and then go look at what counts as biochemistry yep. based on TMDSAS. And that's probably yep. a good reflection of if it's going to count.
1: Yep. And there, and I can tell you that there are specific, uh, subject matter, um, categories that they're looking for in biochemistry. Uh, that the medical schools have identified that, that that's what they're looking for. And you can find that yeah. on the TMDSAS website uh, for biochemistry. And the other one that is very common uh, to, look, to look at is uh, statistics. There are certain particular things they're looking for in a stat class uh, yeah. for it to count.
0: There you go. Noal, my combined GPA is roughly 3.04, and I've essentially have three GPAs 1.8, 4.0, 366. It took me nine years to finish undergrad, but I do have an upward trend. Can I apply to med school without a post So, Noal, what I would recommend is go over to mapped.com, M A P P D.com, plug in all of those courses. And if you haven't created an account yet, you can use the promo code 30 days free and you will be able to um, have access to Mapped App Pro, which is basically Mapped plus being able to chat with our advisors. And then once all of your grades are put in, you can then ask for that advisor to go take a look at your GPA and they'll be able to give you a more specific answer based on your situation. Yep. Yeah, but in general, a postback is to show academic capability. You may have already done that with your 4.0 and 366. It's just hard to know without looking.
2: Yeah, but what we want is uh, this level of detail. So we want to be able to look at these charts. We want to be able to go into more detail and look at your trend by year. We want to look at courses you've taken. So it's definitely worth the time to enter all this so that. Um, and then one of the advisors can give you some feedback
0: Mapped App Pro is only $90 for the year $7.50 a month to be able to have access to world-class advisors here on the MSHQ and Mapped team so well worth it yep and even more fun stuff coming to Mapped App Pro (laughs) hint 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 Uh, Vladimir asks is it
2: Oh, sorry. That's uh, me clicking on a banner. Bring it back. <laughs> to
0: talk about one's children during the application process or interviews. Is it advised to talk about the little ones? Scott, what do you think? Is
1: that an automatic red flag? Like, no, it's, oh, this
0: one has kids. They're not no, going to be focused.
1: No, I think I think it depends on why you're talking about them, particularly in yep. the application itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just don't want to just kind of fling it out there like oh (laughs) Oh, by the way way, i have three kids and you know and just not being relevant uh you know so a good example would be um maybe the reason you got interested in medicine was your wife was pregnant and went through a difficult pregnancy and you visited the doctor with her a lot and you know you know and that whole process of of doing that is what was the seed for your interest in medicine the, in that regard. Yeah. It's obviously perfectly appropriate. So I, I would say it depends on kind of why you're mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: a very common statement that, that I'll make mm-hmm. talking to students in application Academy, which by the way is open for 2023. At least registrations are open at applicationacademy.com. A uh, very common statement is don't bring your agenda <laughs> to where it's not needed. I don't don't just cram stuff in.
2: Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'm not saying that, Vladimir, you had this, but one of the most common questions we get is, I didn't do X, Y, Z because I'm a parent. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And um, no, right? Whether you're an athlete or a parent or you have a learning difference, the requirements are the requirements. So it might be harder or take you longer, and it might speak to your maturity and persistence that – hey, I took all these prereqs and I got all these great grades and I was a parent in the, in the bargain, right? Like that can make you seem really impressive, but it's never an excuse. It's just one more factor in your life.
0: Yep, yep. Okay. Sonara, Rachel, you are now my favorite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, okay. So okay take on Scott. Thanks so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, what about me? Now I got Sonora. I got removed from the favorites. Not uh. the, like I look at those words; they're chosen carefully. You're my, you're now my favorites. Not you're now one of my favorites. That means I am no longer a favorite. So, Rachel, you take over.
2: Okay, it was R M who said you were f- your favorite, and the whole. Oh, reason... okay,
0: all right, that's true. All right, and so the I'm
2: whole sure. reason that you—well, there were many reasons, but one of the reasons that Ryan that you decided to join up with other advisors. Is because different students respond to different personalities. Um, so, uh,
1: everyone loves me. Obviously, you no know, one <laughs> likes my personality.
2: People do really love Ryan. It's true.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: all right. Sonara, <laughs> okay. uh, I had another question. Is it okay to take a year off after graduation to focus on studying for the MCAT and strengthen my application? I'll be a 27 year old mantra. Yes, very common.
2: Yeah, never too late. We've got people applying this year who are in their 50s.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Kevin, he's a fun guy. I applied this cycle and haven't received any interviews yet. When should I start freaking out or planning to reapply? Rachel.
2: Uh, Hopefully you never freak out, um, although I definitely understand the temptation. Our rough rule of thumb is if you don't have an interview invite by Thanksgiving, so by the end of November – um, American Thanksgiving, not the one in Canada that's happening like now, (laughs) um, that, uh, that's when you should start to make a reapplication plan. Um, and, um, the thought there isn't that you give up hope. It's that whole, like, prepare for the worst, expect, hope for the best, right? So you're just starting to think about if I have weaknesses, you don't want to wait until April and then go, what do I do to improve my application, right? You can spend the next six months, doing things that might improve your application in case you need to apply again in May or June. Um, but yeah, I, I hopefully you can avoid freaking out. Take up running, take up knitting, take up yoga. Try to put that anxious energy somewhere. And if you're still feeling anxious, go back to, what can you do to strengthen your application? Because that might actually make you feel better just to know you're taking steps.
0: Head on curls. So a solid upward trend of two years, but then getting a C in Gen Chem 2 and a D in Orgo 1 cause for concern. I did retake Orgo and got a B plus followed by an upward trend once again of 35 credits. Dr. Scott writes, normally one class, two class doesn't make or break an uh, application. Getting some, poor grades while trying to do an upward trend is hard because it kind of breaks the upward trend. But this student is saying, Hey, I still got another upward trend of 35 credits. So what do you think?
1: Well, as with, you know, as with all these things, it's a little bit difficult um, to judge it based on just the bare minimum of information that we get here. Um, My, my concern. So you said uh, I did retake, orgo and got a B plus. So that's good. Um, uh, followed by, uh, a tr- opportunity again, third 35 credits. So, um, is it a cause for concern? Um, yeah, I mean, you may want to have concern about it. Is a, is a cause not to apply? No. Uh, I, I think, you know, you, particularly with the orgo you did, you, you know, you, you improved uh, quite notably and, um, you know, your MCAT score on the uh, the relevant section is going to be uh, kind of important uh, in terms of what the medical schools are going to look at. So I would say um, maybe a a small bit of concern, but I don't know that that re- really should dictate anything for you in terms of not applying or, or whatever like that. So, um, yeah, so that's all I have to say about that.
0: So, from forrest comb yeah
1: that's exactly what why
0: <laughs> yeah anyway uh melissa what are your thoughts on the types of gap year opportunities that are best to strengthen the application the question is melissa what does your specific application need strengthening what in your application needs strengthening that is the best gap year opportunity Yep. right there's there's not a a one solution fits all some students need to focus on mcat because they haven't taken the mcat some students need to uh to to do a postback because they they struggled some students need clinical experience because they were focused on their classes that they didn't get any clinical experience some students need shadowing some whatever right it just depends on your specific application and if you need help figuring that out that is a good use of Mapped App Pro. Put in all of your mm-hmm. activities, put in your grades, and mm-hmm. reach out to our advisors through Mapped to ask what you should focus on potentially. Mm-hmm. Marcela, I am applying this cycle and received just one interview invite in August and silence since I have a 3.6 GPA, 3.45 science GPA with upward trends, 5.16 MCAT, also a URM. Should I be worried at this point? Nope. nope. Patience is a virtue in this mm-hmm. game. <laughs> I'm splitting an experience into two to separate hours into clinical and not clinical. Is it awkward to make them both most meaningful? one on patience and the other on the business side. Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think it'd be awkward. Yeah. I mean, don't copy and paste the same most meaningful <laughs> thing. Right. That would be awkward. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think if if uh you have two very different experiences or two different uh kind of roles in one experience and they're both meaningful to you, that's that's the my favorite answer to give for the activity section which is frustrating for students is there's no there's no right or wrong typically that's for right that. that's
1: right
0: all right i think we got time for one more Uno you know mas uno mas pregunta ahora por favor Sophia, hello, Dr. Gray, with an A, please, next time, is doing research looked down on. I did a semester, wait, oh, is not doing research. I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound I know, right. I right? <laughs> I did a semester of research through a class, but I didn't enjoy it for that reason. I put more time into teaching, volunteering, et cetera, because I love it. That is the perfect answer. Right. <laughs> That's exactly. the best reason to not do research. Yep. So, yeah. You're, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah absolutely good job. good job and with that a final reminder mapped app pro is only 90 dollars for the year for the year seven dollars and 50 cents for the month where you can ask us the mapped app their mapped advising team the mshq advising team the whatever we want to call ourselves today team uh you can ask us super specific questions, enter all of your grades, enter all of your courses. If you want to just check it out, Mapped is free. Enter your courses, enter your MCAT, enter your activities, start working on your applications, start building your school lists, uh, track your applications to medical school. That will always be free. What uh, you pay for for MAPT Pro is the advising and more fun stuff to come. So go to mapped.com check that out. Dr. Scott Wright, Rachel Grubbs, thank you so much for uh being w- two of the three amigos in this crew. Um, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern here on Ask Mapped.
2: Yeah, it was Any super parting fun. words. Yeah, we had so many uh so many questions today that were here's my story. Will you give me feedback? And yeah. Ryan said it. We just put a banner at the bottom of the screen. If you want to get into that level of detail with us, you're going to be better off going to map and asking us there through the, through the chat advising so that we can see everything. And it's, it's not that we're not thinking you're being, you're leaving things out. It's that you may not know what's important. So if we see all your data, then we can give you a proper assessment.
0: So. Yes. All righty.
2: And with that, Ask Mapped
0: is now over. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.